Hello. Thank you for joining LTC DON Chat, a podcast brought to you by the American Association of Post-Acute Care Nursing, APACN. I'm your host, Amy Stewart, Chief Nursing Officer for APACN. I'm here today with Jacob Berlowitz, Program Director for the Center of Excellence for Behavioral Health in Nursing Facilities, to discuss resident behavioral health management, what it is, the benefits of this approach, how it differs from other methods, and some key strategies for success to improve resident care. Welcome, Jacob. Thank you, Amy. So glad to be here. And just a disclaimer before I start, although the Center of Excellence for Behavioral Health in Nursing Facilities is a collaboration between SAMHSA and CMS, I'm not speaking on their behalf. Jacob, let's get started. What is resident behavioral health management? Yeah, great question. Resident behavioral health management refers to identifying residents in the nursing facility that have or may have a behavioral health condition and then evaluating their symptoms, diagnosis, their needs, identifying interventions, evaluating efficacy of those interventions, and developing individualized plans of care. This is something that any clinical staff that may be listening will have lots of experience doing with other health conditions, for example, wound care, but they may struggle or not feel confident about their ability to do this for behavioral health needs. Thank you for that. We do hear a lot of times that people struggle to do the individualized person-centered plan of care for behavioral health related issues. Jacob, what are the benefits of this approach? Well, for starters, of course, by properly meeting the needs of residents with behavioral health conditions, we're giving them higher quality care. We're meeting our facility's core mission as a care provider, and so that's the primary benefit. But in addition to that, when we meet the behavioral health needs of residents, or conversely, if we don't meet their needs, it could have a big impact on many other areas within the facility. When we meet the behavioral health needs of residents, it will typically result in lower amounts of crises, incidents, and negative outcomes in areas like resident-to-resident incidents or resident-to-staff incidents, elopements, overdoses, or suicide attempts even. And it also usually results in an improved facility atmosphere and a milieu for all the residents, the staff, the visitors. And talking about the staff, when the staff feel more confident in their approach and they feel that they have all the necessary tools at their disposal and they know how to care for residents with behavioral health needs, it could increase their job satisfaction and retention as well. That's great information. Thank you. How is this different than de-escalation or crisis management? That's a great question. Our center gets a lot of inquiries from facilities that are looking for support on de-escalation or crisis management, and we're happy to help with that, and we're able to support them on that. But this is different. As a facility, behavioral health management is about taking a proactive approach to the care of residents with behavioral health needs. And this takes a different set of skills and knowledge than de-escalation or crisis management does. To use our wound care example from before, facility staff may need to know how to treat a stage four pressure ulcer, and it might include some interventions that are reserved for a very serious wound like that. But maybe more importantly, they need to know how to treat a lesser wound or a potential for skin breakdown to help prevent that stage four pressure ulcer from developing in the first place. And those preventative interventions may look very different than the treatment that we're giving to that stage four ulcer. 
turning back to behavioral health, interventions that support stability of a behavioral health condition may look very different than the interventions that are needed during a crisis. And the better a facility gets at identifying, evaluating, and meeting the stability needs of these residents, the less they will experience true crises or a need for de-escalation. And with that being said, there will still always be some situations where de-escalation strategies and skills are needed. If you will, similar to wound care, those unpreventable situations, but with quality behavioral health management, we could decrease the frequency of those situations. I love that information. Great input. Thank you so much. What are some key strategies to behavioral health management? There are a few areas that a facility can focus on for behavioral health management that will build their competence. And I'll review them briefly, though we could talk about each of them for a long time. There's really a lot that we can delve into. And so first, let's learn about common mental illnesses. What are the symptoms? When do they typically present? And what does it usually look like in a nursing facility setting? For example, learning the basics of schizophrenia would teach someone that most people experience periods of milder symptoms and then periods of more intense symptoms. And oftentimes there are triggers and there are warning signs that a period of more intense symptoms is approaching. You can imagine how that knowledge would assist staff in knowing how to support the resident. For example, from my own career as a social service director, I worked with a resident who began dressing very bizarrely whenever she was beginning to have more intense symptoms. And once we identified that warning sign, which didn't happen the first time that she did it, but once we did identify that warning sign, we were able to intervene before her symptoms would reach the point where she was isolating in her room and barricading herself in and at risk for all kinds of other problems. The next focus area is accurate diagnosis and medications. And this may feel like something you keep hearing about, especially with schizophrenia misdiagnosis and antipsychotic medications. But I can tell you that at our center, when facilities call us for support and they're discussing an individual resident with us, we are frequently providing guidance around evaluating the diagnosis and the medications to ensure their accuracy. And the reason is if we don't get the diagnosis right and rule out the other options, it's very hard to get the medications right or the other interventions right. We may be looking at the resident's needs through the wrong lens. As an example, again, from my work in nursing facilities, I worked with a resident who was diagnosed with depression and we started him on antidepressants and SSRI and his condition was not improving until we started paying attention to other symptoms he was having. He had some mania symptoms and we realized after a period that the correct diagnosis was actually bipolar disorder and he needed a mood stabilizer. The antidepressant was not gonna help him. And once we were able to give him the mood stabilizer, his condition improved a lot. Now let's talk briefly about care plan interventions and non-pharmacological interventions. I know that's a topic of great interest and really we could you know, spend a lot of time just on that topic alone. But some key points, it's important to recognize that most people with a serious mental illness have moments or days when they're feeling better, and then they have other times when they're feeling worse. And therefore, when we're working on a care plan, we should be thinking about what their needs will be for both of those scenarios. For good days, for example, developing a daily routine that meets their needs and helps them maintain stability. 
and for the bad days, identifying interventions that are effective and keep them safe when they're really not feeling well. And for both of those areas, this involves learning from the resident, from their family, from trial and error. There's always some trial and error, right? We identify that we've tried this intervention and didn't work, or we tried this intervention and it really was effective and we wanna make sure to use that again. And so through those methods, we'll learn what's most helpful for them. And then finally, so far we've talked about strategies that apply individually to each resident, to how we evaluate them and develop their plan of care. But I also wanna mention some facility-wide practices that can impact all residents with behavioral health needs. And those include identifying a behavioral health champion. Maybe it's a nurse or a social worker or someone on the activities team. Ideally, it's somebody with some knowledge about behavioral health already, and also someone who is passionate about it, right? Who really is interested in supporting residents who have behavioral health needs. Finding ways to integrate any available behavioral health professionals, like a consulting psychiatrist or a psychotherapist, into the interdisciplinary team. Maybe they attend a meeting once a month or every couple of weeks, whatever is feasible. Conducting routine behavioral health rounds. These could be incorporated into another regularly held clinical meeting, or they could be a standalone meeting, depending on your facility need. And finally, collaborating with local behavioral health providers and local support groups. And there may be more available in your community than you realize. Thank you for that information. How can listeners learn more? Great question. And I think there's so much more to learn on this topic, right? This is just really a brief review. And our center, the Center of Excellence for Behavioral Health in Nursing Facilities, has lots of great resources on this topic. We have on-demand videos, we have Zoom trainings on different mental health conditions or on how to plan interventions. And our center also offers one-to-one technical assistance from our team of behavioral specialists. And they're available to assist in developing an overall facility plan or even guidance on a particular resident situation. Additionally, I'll be presenting a longer in-depth session on this topic during the upcoming APACN conference, the session Practical Strategies for Managing Behavioral Health Needs of Nursing Home Residents will be on Thursday, April 11th at 11.30 a.m. Thank you for that. Is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners today? Well, Amy, I want to say thank you to you and to everyone at APACN for having me as a guest today. And just as a reminder to our listeners, personalized support for you and your facility are available from our federally funded center at any time, and it's at no charge to you. Just visit us at nursinghomebehavioralhealth.org. And I'm looking forward to seeing you all in April at the APACN conference. We're looking forward to having you, so thank you for joining us. Listeners, thank you for joining us today. For more resources and tools for nurse leaders, please visit our website at www.aapacn.org. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the LTC DON Chat Podcast.